If we want to have our uh, young people go downstairs, Miss Ann has got an awesome, awesome time for you guys this morning. Mike Roberts, it's good to have you back today. Mike was dealing with all the flu stuff, right? So that was quite a fun time. So, And Stephen Margaret, it's good that you're back in uh, beautiful Rockford after you went to wherever you went. To... Where'd you go? Yes, so they were suffering for Jesus. So, I, it's so great. But I really, really quick, I wanted us to um, pray for my uh, neighbor. I know you guys, uh, we've, we've mentioned Deanna, uh, but uh, if you could pray for her. Uh, or I'm sorry, not Deanna, Julia, uh, my neighbor. And she's dealing with a whole lot of flu stuff and kidneys and all that kind of stuff. So we just need to pray that she... Uh, just gets stronger. She's been dealing ever since New Year's Eve. She's been in the hospital. So we need to pray that she keeps getting better. Mercer's gone. She's dealing with her kidneys waking up and, and she's off of dialysis. So there's some things, but then she had a relapse yesterday. So if you don't mind, we'll just pray for uh, Julia this morning, all of us. Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for the word of God, Lord, that is settled in heaven, settled in our hearts. And Lord, we just pray for Julia right now in the hospital. Lord, we just pray, God, that you just have her have an awesome comeback. Lord, I pray that you touch her, that you heal her, touch her body, her kidneys. Lord, everything that's going on in her life right now in her body, every cell, God, that you would awaken those things. God, we do again thank you so much for the doctors and nurses and all the things that have been happening there with that whole team. But God, I pray as a great physician, you do some awesome things, God, that cannot be explained by man. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen, amen. If you have your Bibles today, everyone's got their Bibles, right? We got our electronic Bibles. I, last week we talked about the validity of Scripture and that it's the Word of God and that it directs the minds and hearts of men. And uh, it's the one supreme answer for every question that everyone has and everyone's facing. And um, you don't need to prop the Bible up against anything. The Bible stands by itself. Isn't that a neat thing? But today, what I wanted us to go into was the understanding and kind of dealing with the, how practical things are. And the pragmatics of Scripture and on a daily, daily basis that we go. Um, I have talked last week, I kind of hinted at it about jumping on a journey with me. Anybody want to go on a journey with me? Everyone's like, there we go. So here's the neat thing. We're going to start reading through the Bible in a year. And there are some of you that have been doing this religiously uh, uh, your whole, almost your whole life. I don't know, there's a few of you in here that might have read through the Bible 10, 12, 15 times. If you have never read through the Bible, uh, this is going to be our challenge for this year. And um, if you're treating the Bible like a magazine, it's time to not treat it like one. Can I get an amen there? So what I've put together, and as before we start, it's called the Discipleship Journal Bible Reading Plan. I put up a sign-up sheet out in the cafe. And what I want to do, I'm not expecting everyone to do this, so don't feel bad if you don't do it, okay? So you're, you're still going to be able to attend turning point if you don't do this. If God's impressing on your heart that you need to do this, that God's awakening things to you about things, if you've already got a plan in place and God's directing you, do it, great. But if you don't have a plan in place, if you want to develop some accountability and really kind of get to the place where you say, you know what, I really need to take my Bible seriously. This Bible is not for pastors and priests. It's for all of mankind. Thank God for Johann Gutenberg, right? Amen. So, uh, so what we've developed that we've... Uh, this, this is through the navigators called the Discipleship Journal Reading Plan. Everyone say, what's that? what's that? 
So here's what's cool. What they did is everyone's busy, right? Yes. No one's busy in here. So they did it, and they set this up in a 25-day-a-month reading plan for weekends and taking a day off so that if you kind of get behind, because how many have been on a reading plan before, and you get two and three days behind, and now you've got an hours of reading you got to do, and you're like, oh, my gosh, and then you just quit. So what this does is it gives you the grace to take a day off. How many of you know you don't? The, 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 key, the key here is not to say, well, I read my Bible and now God's going to bless me. What, the whole point of it is for you to get into a pattern and get into a habit in your life. So this is a 25-day reading plan so that maybe weekends, maybe you have a day off, maybe something happens, you're vacationing, traveling, whatever it may be. But this gives you that opportunity. It's a great checklist. I can also email you this file. The, the, the uh, numbers and letters in here are a little small, but if you want a PDF file emailed to you, let me know that too. But if you're going to do this, so make it short and sweet, sign up on the list out there, give me your phone number, and give me your email. Because what I'm going to do is create a Bible reading group, and we all can communicate and text each other and talk to each other, and we can ask questions like, hey, did you read your Bible today? So that way we can do that. But I don't. I didn't print, well, I printed out about 30-something of these. The goal in this is not, if everybody in the church, if we run out of these today, I'll be the happiest man in the world. But if you're wanting to get a part of this group uh, and really get in the niche of that, it would really be an exciting thing. Let me know, and I want to hand you these. But uh, you ready to go? Ready. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. The Bible is such an exciting not just document, but the living word of God, the pages jump out at you, and it's a beautiful thing. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he has called, his holy people who are his rich and his glorious inheritance. I think we're at that starting line still in January. Um, we've got, you've already have dismal outlooks for this year. But I want to tell you today to be encouraged that you don't have to have a dismal outlook. If you make a, a commitment to God this year and you say, God, I want you to challenge my life. I want the Word of God to challenge me, to awaken my stubborn heart and to do things in me. I am telling you that 2019 will be a completely unique and special year for you, even with all the problems that we face. Maybe contingencies are already running through your mind. As you try to figure out the options looming over your circumstances, you're looking for answers, and you're looking for ideas to the problems that you face. And let me tell you this, if you're coming to church to have all your problems go away, I have some really bad news for you. You will have many problems, and you will have many situations the rest of your life. If you are coming to Turning Point Church today to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, to know Him deeper and to taste of Him, to become a person deep-rooted in faith, to grow from the milk, to go into the meat of His Word, then I can assure you of this, that as you seek Him with all your heart, He will be found. There's a lot of people in this world that are extremely successful at what they do, but they haven't found success and obedience to Christ according to His will. And there are two different types of success. And we focus so much on the outward appearance of man, and yet it is God who declares, man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Today I pray this, that you become engrossed in His Word, and that His Word would challenge you, and that you would submit yourself to His Word, and that you and I would become doers and not just hearers of His Word. 
May we take seriously our relationship with Christ by committing to do, by entrusting our heart to God's Word. Isn't that a neat thing? That's what this is all about. Committing ourselves to Christ and saying line upon line, precept upon precept, this is the first thing that I choose to do with my life and with my day. How do we start? Well, how do you start exercising? You start! How do you start eating right? You start! You know, isn't it so funny how we create roadblocks for ourselves and excuse ourselves from doing anything? You know, we always talk about intention. The road to contention is the quickest road to hell. That's what we said. We have great intentions, but it's the quickest road to hell. Well, I intended to do this. Well, I intend to do that. And so it's important for us. Let me encourage you with your Bible. Start. Turn to someone and say, just start doing it. You don't need any other motivation than the very fact that you say, you know what, I want to jump into the Word of God. And you know, some of the excuses that we set up are kind of like these. One of the excuses is like, well, and, and again, I'm not going to hammer anyone in this place, but how many of you said, man, I just don't understand everything in the Bible? Right? Who, are, who in this place doesn't understand the Bible? Can I get you to raise your hand real quick? So that's everybody. So everybody that you're around right now does not have complete understanding of what's going on with Scripture. But I have heard one man say this. It's an amazing thing what he said. He goes, you don't need to worry about the things you don't understand. You need to start practicing and doing the things you do understand. See, all of us were like, well, I don't understand Scripture, so I just... Just poo-poo it out. I'm not going to mess with it. Well, no. What about the stuff that you do know? Don't be worrying about being a theologian or a Bible teacher. Don't worry about that right now. Don't worry about that you can't read faster than the next guy. And that when you hear someone talking about Scripture and they're opening the Bible, don't worry about, I don't know all the 66 books of the Bible. Don't worry about that right now. But Start. You know, it's so funny how in church we get into these modes and we talk about people and being a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. Well, if you go to the gym for two weeks and then quit going, are you a hypocrite? You're not a hypocrite. Just get going. Just move. Do something. Start now. Faith is a decision. Every one of us, by the way, has been given the measure of faith by God. So when we open the Bible... God has been given us the measure of faith, and as that seed gets planted, and we water the Word, we water it with the Word of God, then that faith grows. And it's a beautiful thing as we go from glory to glory. St. Jerome writes this, Ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Jesus. Ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Jesus. In other words, if you want to get to know Jesus, God, Emmanuel with us, then the place that you're going to have to start is not out in the middle of the woods hanging out with the tree frogs. Can I get an amen? You're going to have to get known to Christ by the Christ in the Word. From Genesis to Revelation points to one person, Jesus Christ. The beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. So I want to get to know Jesus. Me and Jesus, we just talk all day. Well, you can talk all day, but if you don't know the Word of God, there's not going to be much to talk about. You can talk about your problems. You can complain more this week. It's just a horrible week. But 2019 changes. We're only a couple weeks into 2019, right? So we still got a chance to start out of the gates really strong. 
And by the way, if you're not starting out strong, you know it's not how you start, it's how you finish this year. How do you begin again? First of all, get the spirit of failure off you. The reason we don't commit to stuff is because we feel like we're going to fail at it anyway, so why even start? I want you to get some excuses. I'm going to talk to you real raw today. As your pastor, sometimes I get to carry a little stick, right? Sometimes I get to prod. Sometimes I get to shepherd. Sometimes I get to pick up. And one of these times, this point one, I'm going to prod you a little bit, all right? Get the excuses off of you. No time, no energy, too busy. I believe the number one tool the enemy uses against all of God's people is this, distraction. Our cell phones. Everyone say amen. 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 So I'm going to give you some statistics and a real quick quick one here on your time wasters. Remember, you don't have any time. I just don't have any time to read the Bible. Remember that. Just remember that when you walk out of here. You're not going to get under that anymore. And the people around here, I hope you check each other down. When someone says they got no time to say, you're at the wrong place. Don't give me that. Deal very seriously with distractions this year. I have read study after study. I have watched video of interviews of social media developers who have run away from it. The very people who did all of the code writing don't even let their own kids use the junk. The developers of it. Dealing with distractions and dealing with all of those things. PC Mag wrote this, the most telling trend, of course, is that while mobile usage has skyrocketed in the past decade, while desktop and laptop usage has remained mostly consistent, average mobile usage, which includes both smartphones and tablets, has increased from 0.3 hours per day in 2008 to 3.3 hours a day in 2017. Three hours a day were on our phones. Our whole population can literally be pictured like this. If we have an artist sit down, drawing people. You think about the old pictures and portraits of people sitting by the ocean and sea and talking. You know, remember when you'd actually go to a coffee house to talk to someone? And now the picture probably would be, for us Americans, like this. We're on vacation, and we're like this. We're at the coolest place in the world, and we're like this. I've got to get another post up. Do the study yourself. Read up on what has happened and the idea of the dopamine effect. That little thumbs up has been the most dopamine-rich stamp for people's life. The reason why we're attracted to it, we want it, is because we're addicted to it. And don't lie to yourself. This isn't Christian statistics. This isn't even Bible. This is heathen people doing studies on the use of electronics. And by the way, I'm not going to tell you here today to not use your electronics. I've got my smartphone and I love the thing. I've got, if I can get the latest Apple, I'm going to get it. So what I am explaining to you is you better find the balance with your life. Find the balance. One of the things that they tell you to do, by the way, let me give you some little tips for dealing with distractions for your life. They actually said make your, your phone 
become grayscale. Grayscale it out. Because one of the things they say to do is the, 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 the logos and the colors on there actually are attractants for you. So they say one of the steps to do real simple is to grayscale your phone. So all that your apps and, and your stupid little things there actually are just all grayed out. So it doesn't have that attraction. The other thing they said is completely pull. That's going to be a tough one. Pull your social media off your phone and put it on your laptop. Say, so, well, why would I do that? Well, if your problem is you're dealing with a three and a half hours plus, and this is the average, so there, the, it's the law of averages there, we're probably doing it more, and we're fidgety with it every 10 minutes, then, then we've got a problem that we need to address. Matthew 6.21 says it like this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, Right? So we've got to be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, where is my treasure at right now? And if, it is the, if, if, if your life is giving attention to all these social media platforms and this, and looking at the latest praise of life, then that's where your treasure is. And, and part of this where we need to get to today and start out with the Bible is just truly just becoming honest with ourselves and where we are. You know, we begin an honest assessment. You know, when we start out the year and everybody gets really excited and gets into the challenges of exercise routines and health stuff, everybody gets into health nut freak stuff, right? My Bible declares that physical exercise profiteth little. But spiritual exercise, that profit is much. So I'm glad... Your heart is good, but I want to know, is your spiritual heart good? Folks, let's honestly and transparently run through our veins as we allow God to search our hearts to see truly where our treasure lies. I want you to take the challenge today. Everybody took the bucket challenge a few years ago. Remember the bucket challenge? That was neat, right? Everybody dumping water on their head. I got a challenge for turning point today. Can I get a drum roll real quick here? You ready? The apply yourself to God's word challenge doesn't have the same buzz. <laughs> How about we become honest with ourselves and confess to God our sins and our weights that are causing us that this technology-driven world that has just become so anxious and absorbed with itself and just looking at yourself and talking to people about yourself and just the rage of it all and the, the mess of it all. God, forgive me. This is a great prayer to start at. And this is me too, folks. Forgive me for not prioritizing your word above everything else. God does not work through osmosis. And I used to wish that in high school, that somehow if I laid that science book on my head, that it would transfer to me. It never happened. And folks, by setting an open Bible out on your coffee table, as beautiful as the picture looks, as you walk into that beautiful living room with an open Bible and it's just sitting there, oh, isn't it so beautiful and symbolic? It hasn't done anything to anyone until we dive into the Word of God. Second excuse, we say, well, I'm not a really good reader. Not a good reader. Folks, I don't like reading. I have to read. I have to read. Some people can just open a book. My sister could read Gone with the Wind in two seconds. I don't like my sister. I read because I have to read. 
I read because I have to read. I, I get study books and I read them and I enjoy certain parts of them. But let me tell you, when I go to page 26, I go here and I go, how many pages are left? I got 126. Are you kidding me? What is this book over? But if you're not a good reader, it's okay. I would challenge you to this, to start reading. To get around people or to get the lessons to read. Take, a, take some kind of online course. But in lieu of that, while you learn, and to commit to learning and saying, you know what, I want to learn to read because if anything, it's just good for me to read. But press the, it's a beautiful thing on that app or on Bible Gateway, you can get into the U version of the Bible and it'll actually read the scripture out for you. And let me tell you something, they read much better than you do in much beautiful speech. It's great. But let me tell you this, don't lose heart, John Piper writes, in all your struggles to love God as you ought. How many of you felt under condemnation because you didn't feel like you were loving God as you did? And there is therefore no now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't lose heart in all your struggles to love God as you ought. And I believe many times we don't get into this commitment stuff is because we feel, man, I don't want to fail another time, God. I mean, I'm struggling through this. I don't even want to, want to fail at this now. And I don't want to have to report to people this. That's not what this is about. God looks at the thoughts and intents and the motives of the heart of man. And if your motivation today is to say, I want to get closer to God, the way to start is through the Bible. That's the only way. But I will tell you this, start, all, start trading all the excuses, all the reasons, the frustrations, and God will flood you with His light, the Scripture says so that you can understand the confident hope He has given those He called, His holy people who are rich and glorious in inheritance. If we're to begin reading the Bible, let me tell you how to read it. John Piper writes this, Bible reading that only collects facts, or relieves a guilty conscience, or gathers doctrinal arguments, or titillates aesthetic literary tastes, or feeds historical curiosities, this kind of Bible reading, Satan has, is perfectly happy to leave alone. He has already won the battle. If your goal today is to historically read it as a document, or to have some facts, or to further embolden you doctrinally, then Satan is almost giggling as you read your Bible. The Pharisees knew the law inside and out, and their hearts were wicked. And yet these were the leaders of the church. These men were not changed and broken and humbled. These men were emboldened by the very words of God. Don't pick up your Bible with any of that in mind. Don't pick up your Bible. Man, listen, if you want to read maps, my wife's got a great textbook she can give to you. But don't read this as a document like some kind of historical thing. Read this Bible as God's love letter to you and to me. This is his love letter. First things first as we get all that stuff out. So now that we got all the gunk out, now we can dive in, right? Seeing yourself in the mirror. My favorite verse of scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18.
2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had the veil removed, and that's what happened when you came to Christ. If you come to Christ, there's a veil removed. You can see now. Can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord, who is spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Now, how do we become more and more like Christ? Because that's the whole idea. I don't want to read the Bible just to memorize scripture. I want to be someone who actually, I want to be more like Christ. That's the whole goal. So how you become more and more like him is you start to see Jesus in the Bible and you actually start to see interwoven through scripture those ideas and you start to become like the image that is being reflected. But the first thing first is you've got to see yourself in the mirror. Soren Kierkegaard writes, A further fundamental requirement for seeing oneself in the mirror is to constantly say to oneself as you read scripture, Is it talking to me? I am the one it's speaking about. As Nathan pressed home to David the accusing words, Thou art the man! So what must we let God's word press its message home in our hearts? Our hearts are deceptive. We do not want to face the truth. We do not want to dare look into the mirror. It is more pleasant to study the Bible. But if we dare to look in the mirror in our reading, then sometimes you will read a fear and trembling into your soul. And by God's help, you will succeed in becoming a man, a personality. You will be saved from being this horrible non-entity into which we human beings created and God's image had been bewitched and in personal objective something. Folks, as we start to read the Word of God and we look at the mirror of God's Word, we have to ask the question. When we open the Bible, we have to say, God, what is it that you are saying to me right now? And that's what a broken man or woman of God will do. When you open up Scripture, you won't get emboldened. You will become more broken. Have you ever read a word of Scripture that just hits your heart or it convicted you of sin and you started just to cry over Scripture? How many have had that happen? Where you just, were just, it moved you. What is God saying to me right now? The most annoying thing I'll ever hear people say in Bible at church on Sunday is, I wish so-and-so was here at church because they could have heard your message. And I'm like, well, did you hear anything? Are you praying for yourself? Do you say, God, am I applying your word to my life? Am I being changed by it? God, break me down. Break my defense mechanism. Break my excuses. Break my sins of commission. Break my sins of omission. God, change me. That's what the Bible does. This is meditating on God's Word. Someone once said it like this, reading the Bible without meditating on it is like trying to eat without swallowing. You know, when we read God's Word, and I pray that if you're committing to this thing this year, that it'll go from just reading it and saying, well, I checked the box and I got my reading in, that it'll actually get to a place where you start to chew and then you start to swallow. You start to chew and then you start to swallow it. You start to take it in and you start to allow that digestion to occur and to break down so that every line, every word, every syllable, everything that happens will start to change you from the inside out. One of the things that I used to do, my mom understood that I was a very fidgety person growing up and I have attention issues. Anybody ever had an attention issue in here? 
But one of the things that would help me in my study process was to see it and to say it and to write it. To see it, to say it, and to write it. And I would write out spelling words over and over and over again. The Bible, you know what I would challenge you to do as you read God's word? That you start to actually say it out loud. Read, let yourself hear the word of God as you're, as you're reading. Write it down. Maybe take out a journal. I challenge you to pick up a journal and write down every cotton pick and thought you've ever had in that day, in that moment. Write it down. God, hear my thoughts right now. I've got to be honest with you, God. Today is a really stinky day. You know, you don't have to... Journaling isn't about you writing some kind of thing that an angel gave you that fluttered down with wings. Man, God wants to talk to the real you today for a moment. He doesn't want to talk to the fake you that you bring sometimes on a Sunday. He wants to talk to the real you. The real issues. The real, the real questions that you face... The identity issues. God, I have a fear over this. God, I'm dealing with this. And then he draws you to scripture and you say, oh my goodness, this scripture can be applied to this problem. And now you start to use it. His word begins to lift off the pages of scripture. See it. Say it. And write it. Meditate on it. This beautiful story that I read from John Piper about Jennifer Roberts. She's a professor of humanities at Harvard. She published an article called this, The Power of Patience, Teaching Students the Value of Deacceleration and Immersive Attention. Everyone say, what on earth is that? Deacceleration and Immersive Attention. She's an art historian, and she wants us to look at painting and then look at everything. She teaches a course at Harvard called The Art of Looking. Her strategy with her students is the same at Agassiz. They have to look and look and look. Her aim is to help students develop the patience to decelerate and immerse themselves in attention. How many know we got an attention issue? She writes, every external pressure, social and technological, is pushing students in the other direction towards immediacy, rapidity, and spontaneity. I want to give them permission and the structures to slow down. The first thing I ask them to do is research the process as to spend a painfully long time looking at the object. Say a student wanted to explore the work popularly known as The Boy with a Squirrel painted in Boston in 1765 by the young artist John Singleton Copley. Before doing any research or books in the online, the student would first be expected to go to the Museum of Fine Arts where it hangs and spend three full hours looking at the painting, noting down his or her evolving observations, as well as the questions and speculations that arise from those observations. The time span is explicitly designed to seem excessive. She goes on to write about her first experience doing this. At first, many students resist being subjected to such remedial exercise. To help the students over this hump, Roberts tells them she did the same discipline herself. Three hours looking, looking, looking at the boy with a squirrel. She reports what happened in her experience. Just a few examples from the first hour of my own experiment. It took me nine minutes to notice that the shape of the boy's ear precisely echoes that of the ruff along the squirrel's belly. And that Copley was making some kind of connection between the animal and the human body and that sensory capabilities of each. 
It was 21 minutes before I registered the fact that the fingers holding the chain exactly span the diameter of the water glass beneath them. It took a good 45 minutes before I realized that the seemingly random folds and wrinkles in the background curtain are exactly perfect copies of the shapes of the boy's ears and eyes, as if Copley had imagined that those sensory organs distributing or imprinting themselves on the surface behind him, and so on. What this exercise shows the student is that just because you have looked at something doesn't mean that you've seen it. What turns access into learning is time and strategic patience. Folks, I want you to catch that today in your Bible reading. Just because you have looked at something doesn't mean that you've seen it. I think that was the part, when I started writing this down and reading it, I actually started crying in my study of this, realizing that how vastly shallow I am in my Bible reading. I didn't get anything from that today. You haven't even looked for five seconds. You haven't even asked the right questions. You haven't even dove in. We haven't even sat down to say, God, speak to me from this! Because we don't have time! We say, why does God not speak to me? We don't give Him the time of day! We, like her in her class, have got to get to the point where we start to have give ourselves permission. Well, we're just too busy. Well, give yourself some permission right now, then. Give yourself some permission to say, I am having time. Everyone says, I need some me time. Well, right now, you don't need more me time. you got me time coming out your ears. You need some God time. Joshua 1, verse 8. Let's turn there and see the command that God gave him. By the way, these aren't suggestions. These are commands. We don't say commands in our PC culture anymore, but these are commands. We don't say, well, this will work for this person, this doesn't work for that. That didn't work. Can you imagine if they would have wrote down some of these writings in the New Testament now in 2019? How many people they have to apologize to? Joshua 1.8 Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and be courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. Folks, what a beautiful thing. He says this. Study my words. Study my commands day and night. Always have them. Meditate on them. Meditate on them. Draw your focus from them. For it is only then that you will be strong and courageous in what you face. You say, man, I'm afraid of what I'm facing. Then you need to get the word of God in you. Do you know, maybe this verse of scripture right here, you write down and you say, man, I'm dealing with some fear and some worry and some anxiety. Then you start to declare this. You say, I am to be strong. I am like Joshua, this is speaking to me. God, I want to be strong and courageous. Meditation. We think of the word meditation, and unfortunately, Eastern mysticism type stuff has completely stolen the true Hebrew meaning of what meditate. When we meditate, in the Eastern world, what they do is they try to draw that sin and get everything out of you. But here's the opposite of the Bible idea of meditation. The Bible idea of meditation is actually bringing the Word of God into you. It's to fill your mind. So we can do yoga all day long. But that's not the biblical example of meditation. I want to steal that back because us evangelicals, we feel 
fearful of the word meditate. We need to take it back and understand the Bible commands us as all believers to meditate on the word of God. Meditate, by the way, is Hagah. Everyone say Hagah. And it's a very powerful word. It has many usages. And it's sometimes rendered as a moan, a growl, to utter, to muse, devise, plot, roar, and imagine. So when we're meditating, a lot of times it's not quiet. Everyone says, I'm going to have a quiet time. When you're meditating, it's a lot of times a loud time. You're growling, you're moaning. When you see the, the, uh, uh, the priests at the temple there, and they put their covering, I have a, a Jewish covering, a friend of mine went to Israel, and he brought back a shawl, a prayer shawl for me. And they put the prayer shawl on that word, and that verse of scripture, Joshua 1.8, is over top of the forehead, and they'll put it, and they'll go into their secret place, and they'll stand at the wailing wall, and those men are rocking back and forth, and they're moaning, and they're crying out, saying the word of God over, and over, and over, and over, and over again. It's intense. There's been times in prayer when I'm going over the word of God, where I'm literally declaring, yelling out the praises of God. I remember Revelation 21, where the angels of the Lord were around the throne of grace, and they were saying, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. And all I could do in my meditation in that sanctuary in Mexico was simply say, Holy, 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 holy is the Lord Almighty. Haggai is to growl like a lion that's hungry. As the deer pants for the water. Oh, my soul thirsts for you. Hagah! This is an inspirational scripture sitting on the toilet, finding a quick word before you go to work. This is meditation where there's intensity. And drive and power. And you start to write the things of God. And you start to say the things of God. When we proclaim God's word in our homes. And we open up scripture. It is different than anything you can read. Oh if you would be challenged. To throw your news out the window for a month. Oh if you would be challenged. To throw your social media garbage out for a month. You will find that you no longer are going after the dopamine, but you are going after the things of God. And you are groaning again. And you're hungry again. I want to be a church that is white, hot, hungry for the things of God. Folks, let me tell you something. I get hangry when I'm hungry. I don't have meetings, and I don't want to talk to people at about 5 o'clock. Don't mess with me because I'm hungry. And like, here I am, like, I need some food on this table in about five minutes. <laughs> See, it? you think of a lion in Haggah. That lion is completely pacing, looking for its meal, trying to get it, and trying to go after it. And that lion won't stop till it gets it. You want to be a person that is strong and mighty in the things of God and that you're not shaken by circumstances. Folks, how many of you know we live in wacky times, don't we? Yeah. 
Things all over the map. Things are going crazy. And I want to challenge some of you baby boomers in here. I really do. Because we get into a place now where you guys are the elders and you guys are the statesmen and you are the people that we look to for wisdom. You guys have gone through crazy times. Socially, all those things, you guys went through crazy times. Turn to someone and say, you went through crazy times. You went through the Cuban Missile Crisis. You were hiding under desks in school. You think times weren't safe now. Look back to then. You can stand on the Word of God and you can say, I am sure that everything else can fail. Every political system can fail. Everything can happen. But the Word of God stands forever. I want a God again. I want to fight again. But if we don't make it a habit, just like everything else, you say, how do you start a habit? Start a new habit. I can't tell you another way. We can't go back. We, we just have to start, and we start now. I can tell you that you're going to have to get the dust off the Bible, and you're going to have to put it somewhere functionally in your life. If that's your nightstand, if that's out by the coffee table, if it's next to your coffee pot, have this thing hit you in the head, and you will learn a Haggah again. And you will learn to meditate again. And you see God in Scripture as you meditate. The goal there isn't for you to have a, a better life now. The goal there isn't for you to be this cool, great person to have all your problems fade away and have the white picket fence. That is not the goal of Scripture. I am not going to give you ten tips to a better life this week. I will tell you this, that you will start to see God in all you do. And after we look into the mirror and realize that we are becoming more and more into the same image of what the Word appears and shows me. Then we start to see God in Scripture. It is the ultimate aim of the Bible and the reading of the Bible. In all of our reading, we are aiming and hoping and praying that God would use His Word to make us a vital part of everlasting white-hot worship of His infinite worth and beauty, John Piper says. Seeing in Scripture God's supreme worth and beauty, there is no song in worship without a sight of God's beauty. So you don't have a song in worship until you see God in His beauty. Show me your glory through Scripture, Lord. The money that I got ain't enough. The relationships that I thought would give me that joy and that satisfaction, they're not enough. The vacation, it's not enough. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's turn there. Turn to someone real quick and tell them you're getting hungry. You didn't growl when you did that. I need a little bit better. Tell someone. Yeah, there you go. Three. I love this, what Paul says. Ephesians 3, 4. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. As you read, right? Read the, read the scripture. In verse 8, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasure available to them in Christ Jesus. 
You know, you think about this. We are the generation of people that don't physically get to see Christ, right? You think about John and all the disciples. Every one of them got first-hand accounts of Christ. They got to see Him. They had the testimony. They got to see uh, Jesus coming into there and talking to them and breaking bread with them. You know, they all got to see the miracles. They all got to see it happen. And yet Paul and John declare that we can have the same hope as the very disciples who were with Jesus had. As we read the Bible, we're filled with a joy unspeakable, full of glory. Because we can experience God's glory because it's not the temple out there. Now the temple has become in our hearts. What about the generations that follow that did not see the Lord firsthand? How would they see the glory of God? Turn real quick to John chapter 20. I figured since we're talking about the Bible, we use a lot of Bible verses. John 20. John 20, verse 29. Jesus told them, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Isn't that beautiful? Those of us who have become born again and ask Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior today, if you've done that, you get to believe and you still haven't even seen Him. You have a faith. Why is it that someone in third world countries and thousands giving their life to Christ who have walked the martyr's death, they have seen Christ because He's within their heart. So eternal life comes by believing on Jesus and believing comes by reading what is written As you read, by the way, with an open heart, you will begin to see Christ. As you and I read the testimony of Scripture that God enlightens the eyes of our hearts. I love what George Washington Carver wrote. And Sandra, if you wanted to come up here and start playing. Actually, no, wait a second. I got a couple more. George Washington Carver was born in slavery. He became a famous famous agricultural chemist and scientist. He was especially known for his work with a peanut. Once he was invited to testify before a Senate committee, and there he was asked, Dr. Carver, how did you learn all these things? And his response was, from an old book, he replied. What book? And his response was, the Bible. Does the Bible talk about peanuts? Asked the senator. No, Mr. Senator, replied the great scientist, but it tells me about God who made the peanut. I asked him to show me what to do with the peanut, and he did. Folks, I want to tell you something. Colossians 2, 3, you don't have to turn there, but maybe write it down. Colossians 2, verse 3 says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. As you get to know the Bible, you will get to know God, and you will start to find answers and solutions to the problems you face. Yes, I did say in the intro that I, you're not, not going to have all your problems fixed. I'll guarantee you that. But let me tell you something. God is working through his problems and giving you solutions to his problems as you open the word of God. You say, Dr. Carver, a scientist, goes to the Bible to learn about the peanut because he knows God who made the peanut. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Today, make the investment of reading his word and you'll begin to see Christ more and more. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. Sandra, you can come up now. I'm sorry. Two things that I wanted us to do today. 
Real simple this, you're not going to have, by the way, when you start this, you will not have fireworks on your first day show up. You may. You may have your heart just opened up. But when you start this discipleship plan, I will tell you this, that it will be day by day by day, and you will start to see the God of the Bible, the God that has never seen a beginning or an end, come into your home and come into your mind and give you a peace that passes all understanding. You will read news, and you will read events, and you will read situations, and you will start to look at things the way God looks at things. You will start to have and develop, which I want. I want the mind of Christ, don't you? Taking God in His Word, and realizing that today, if you haven't submitted yourself to His Word, then you have no hope. You might make it here, and you might trip up here, you might think, man, I'm pretty strong in this area. But at some point, that self-will and that willpower will fail on you. But there is one man, Jesus Christ, who has never failed on you and on me. And I want us to pray this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. You say today, first and foremost, maybe you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Everybody in this place knows in that moment in time where maybe you say, man, I ask Jesus into my heart, and maybe you don't have that assurance of eternal life with Jesus Christ. And you haven't asked Jesus into your heart. Today is that opportunity to say, you know what, I want to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. What good is it if we gain the whole world but we lose our soul? Today, your treasure, you want your treasure to be hidden with Christ Jesus. And you say, I am making Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of my life. Today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, that's me. And I want to commit my life to Christ. If that's you and you've never done that, I want you to raise your hand today. The second part is this. Maybe your commitments to the Word of God have been lackluster at best and you've never really dove in you've never even given it a chance God is saying taste of me and see that I am good folks this isn't about heaven and hell with this Bible reading stuff but this is about success here on earth this is about your life being enriched and you getting to know the savior of the world as your friend this love letter that every one of us takes for granted so often Today you say, you know what, I am committed to his word once again so that my heart would submit to it. That I would come under the word of God and its authority for me. Not the authority of man, but the authority of God's word. And I know that I have it. My treasure has been in other places. Today may, may our, kind of, our wheels stop in its tracks. May we stop in our tracks for a moment. And see God and test our commitments. Today, if that's you, and you say, I am making that decision. Some of you made that decision last week. Maybe you weren't here, and this week you are. And this is an opportunity for you to put the Bible above everything else, every thought and every intent and every opinion that you have brought into your mind, every philosopher, every scientist. And you say, God, I place all of the opinions of man below you. And I submit myself to your word. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand today and I want to pray with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Let's all pray this together. Dear Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your love letter that you've given to me. Thank you that you love me, God. Unconditionally. Today, God, forgive me for my lack of determination. I have put other treasures ahead of me. I place my word that you've given to me above everything else. I choose today to submit my heart to your word so that I may become more like you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, those of you who did that, God honors that. And don't let your struggles in trying to please God and to love Him, don't let the ups and downs, folks, we all have ups and downs. And this isn't the goal here today, saying, well, I didn't read my Bible today, I must be a heathen, I must be a sinner. No, God's Word is hidden in your heart. So I want to say that today, that God remind you. I remember the other day, I just was walking out into the parking lot, and I just started saying a verse of Scripture over and over and over again, just as I was walking to the entrance, as God was revealing something to me. I don't know why He revealed it to me. You don't ask anything about God. You think we have to figure out every reason why. Why God do you do that? I don't know. Who cares, right? Just do it. So I started praying that scripture over and over and over again. So I want to challenge you today. Come see me at the end of service if this seems like something that God is registering in your heart and your spirit. Don't do it because everybody's doing it. Do it because if God's calling you to do it. And put your name out there. I think God will get honor in that. And it's a beautiful thing. And I want to do one more little side note. Um, Jay and Deanna, I don't get this all the time, but I wanted to pray over you guys. God's got a special gift for you guys. Would you guys come up here? I want to pray for you guys. As I was worshiping this morning, I saw kind of a, a field being tilled. And you might be wondering right now where all the fruit and the vegetation is and the life and stuff. And God is saying right now to you that I am tilling your field right now. And he is preparing you. So I wanted us to... Uh, to pray a blessing over you two and your marriage and what God has done in this season. But I want to tell you today, I see a, all I saw was just kind of a, a field with, you know how the ruts and the, I'm not even a farmer, can you tell? <laughs> but I want you guys to know that God's going to bless that and he's preparing your guys' field for some pretty awesome stuff. So I just want to pray over you and anoint you guys and bless you in the name of Jesus for this new season that God has for you. Lord, we just pray right now over Jay and Deanna. And Lord, what a beautiful thing you're doing right now in this new season, in this new time, as you are tilling up this field. And God, you said in your word to make straight the way for the Lord. And as they prepare their hearts to receive what it is that you're going to do in them, and the new things and the new ideas and the new places and the new people and the new faces that they will see, God, I pray that you would just send revival to their home. Send revival to their home, God. I thank you for these two beautiful people that you brought to this place. And we speak against the enemy right now that would try to cause them to stumble or to harm them. And we say that no weapon formed against them will ever prosper. We speak against you, evil one, and say, you can't touch them, for they are covered with the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the body of Christ, and we surround them right now. And Lord, just as your mighty angels right now are encircling around them, one by one, arm in arm. Lord, I thank you that you are arming them. 
to fight and wage war against the enemy, that the gates of hell will not prevail against them. And I declare this to you, what the enemy meant for evil. God will turn to good. Yes. God will use everything, the good and the bad and the ugly, to reveal himself to you. And I say to you that God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of love and of a sound mind. And I thank you, God, that you're giving them that sound mind. And the worries and the anxieties and the fears and the depression and the doubts, Lord, I pray those get cleared out. Thank you for new opportunities and new chances as you are revealing things to them. I thank you, God, that you give them the words to speak to their family. I thank you, God, they're going to be a beautiful influence to their family members that they've been praying for and hurting for. And God, that the words that they say, a word in season, what a beautiful thing, it brings healing. We bless them now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. She's cheating. She's already asking for that. <laughs> Folks, I love you very much. And I just want to pray a blessing over our whole church, too, as this new year is on us. And I think we got a lot to be excited for, don't we? That's right. You got a lot to, to really get excited about. And I, I think God's going to do some awesome things in our church in 2019. Lord, we just thank you for today, for the breath that you placed in our lungs. Lord, help us to see and help us to sit. Help us to say. Help us as we read, God, that help us not to just look without seeing, but help us to look and then see. Help us not just to breeze through your word like some kind of textbook for a final exam, but that we would read this like a love letter from you and allow that one verse, that one word to permeate our hearts and to change us, to cause conviction and to cause us to grow. Lord, we love you. We love you. And I pray in our struggles to love you, like John said, we pray, God, that you would help us to love you how we're supposed to love you. We can't do it on our own. We can't do it without you. We need your strength, not in our own strength. Not in our own drive and determination in this self-empowered world. God, we don't need more of that. We need to be God-empowered today. Empower us today to do your will. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful day. Stay warm. Enjoy the snacks here. Love you guys so much. Have a wonderful week.